Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey folks, Zach Ostrom here. I'm with Soda Indianapolis Star. This is Mind Your Banners for March 1st, 2024. Happy March. Uh, we've made it out of what I would argue are the two bleakest months of the year, although my birthday's in February, so I really can't complain too much. Um, with me is Mike Nislick, as always. Um, uh, just a rem- reminder, I mentioned this a pot or two ago. At some point, we are migrating these things to StreamYard. I don't know when that's happening. For now, we're still doing them on Zoom, which means you can still watch them on the YouTube channel. Um, but Mike, we're going to talk, uh, I think primarily about the men's team today, I guess let's tease at the top. We're going to do a podcast on Monday that will focus almost exclusively, if not exclusively on just kind of previewing basically the postseason for the women's team. They will wrap their regular season, what Sunday against Maryland at home. Um, they're going to be a top three seed in the big 10. We don't know exactly where they'll fall in the big 10 tournament. Cause it'll be, it'll depend on their result against Maryland and also the result of the Ohio state iowa game um but just wanted to tease that at the top and then kind of dig into basically the question i was going to pose today was just sort of like what i I don't i want i want something more artful than what's left for the men's team but almost kind of like what like what can you accomplish between now and the end of the season if if you're mike woodson and his team because obviously where they are in the big 10 where they are or maybe more pertinently aren't in the NCAA tournament picture is pretty obvious. They're coming off of, you know, the latest of this, you know, they've had kind of three different moments here in the last month plus where it's like the Iowa game. We thought maybe they were turning a corner, the Ohio state game. We thought maybe this is a, maybe this is a signal of things to come every time they kind of, you know, fell flat from that. Now they have the Wisconsin game where they win, you know, they only win by four, but I would say they win deservedly in that game. I just like sort of what is like, what is Indiana? What can Indiana still get out of this season, essentially between now and let's say the end of the big 10 tournament run, whenever that is. Uh, Yeah. I mean, getting fans to feel better about the state of the program really is it. I mean, you know, I don't think that they could make sort of a meaningful run in the big 10 tournament. I I don't think they're built to go four days and, and win, you know, that many in a row against teams, most of the teams that they've, they've lost to this season. Um, you know, the, the, even the NIT right now feels like they'd have to, you know, I don't know what the record would have to be in terms of to try to make it, it even feels like a long shot. Um, I think they would, I think the, the only world where they make the NCAA tournament without winning the big 10 tournament, I suppose it is possible that if they won their last three regular season games, and then they went all the way to the Big Ten tournament championship game. And even then, I think you would kind of need a lot of things to fall your way, both in terms of like the teams you're beating. Like you would need to beat a very specific set of teams for the the wins to be quality. And then you'd probably need you know a fair few other bubble teams to really screw up. I think like it would. I think we're talking about like you know fitting a camel through the eye of a needle. Indiana not winning yeah. the Big Ten tournament and still being in the the selection picture on Sunday. And so, yeah, I just think, you know, trying to erase some of the, um, 
ill will that the you know the losing streak and sort of this bad month and a half has created with the fan base. I I think and it's hard because you know a lot of these players aren't going to be here next year in terms of uh, maybe entering the draft, transferring. Um, uh, but you know that, that that's Mike Woodson's job right now in the next sort of two to three weeks to try to get them to play for Indiana and 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 leave the program better off than they found it, even though that's going to be hard to do because, you know, they struggled this season. I think it's just kind of like it, it, it throws up like almost this wider, I don't know if academic is the right word or, you know, sort of philosophical question, but just like what, you know, 10 years ago, we could have looked at this team and said, okay, they're going to lose a couple seniors, you know, guaranteed Anthony Walker, Xavier Johnson out of eligibility. Um, obviously, they are likely going to lose a, a Kalel Ware to the NBA draft. But, hey, they're a really young team. A lot of these other guys can come back. You know, you could obviously 10 years ago, you wouldn't have the COVID year, but you could look at a, a Trey Galloway, a, an Anthony Leal and say, well, you know, hey, you got a couple kind of super seniors that can be your captains and you got your leading scorer in Malik Renew and, you know, some some promising younger players that can still come through. It's just sort of like in the in the portal era, there's a lot more of sort of like, well, and, and listen, when the season goes like this, there's also inevitably, you know, rumors run rampant about, oh, this guy's going to leave and this guy's going to leave and the whole roster is going to fall apart. And, and some of that stuff can get kind of overstated. But, you know, it it I've compared this a lot to Tom Crean's first Tom Crean's first year. Uh, after winning his first Big Ten title, they went 17 and 15. They had a really young team, uh, tons of freshmen and sophomores. They never really gelled. They couldn't shoot, <laughs> which uh, obviously is is familiar um, uh, to, to IU fans who've watched this season. And they missed the NIT, but they were at least allowed to kind of say, okay, you know, even though Noah Vonley's leaving, we're going to lose Will Sheehy. There's still a, a, a Troy Williams, a Yogi Ferrell. You know, there's some there's some promising young players here that can maybe build toward, you know, something better. Um, you know, in the portal era, like it's it's almost kind of harder to just sort of because you are admittedly, even if we sort of set maybe the, the rampant nature of rumors to one side, you're always wondering if guys are going to go looking for something else. Like, how do you engender that sort of sense of like, hey, we're playing not just for now, but for the future and, and having guys bought into the idea that everybody's future is kind of collective still. Like it's, I mean, I'm just sort of fascinated by how a coach tackles that because on the one hand, you have to prepare for it to some extent turnover. On the other hand, if you're Mike Woodson, you don't want to have to approach a situation where you turn over half your roster again in the off season, if you can avoid it. So. Well, yeah. I, and I thought, I've thought about that too. This roster would set up nicely for next year. If you were bringing everybody back, except those seniors, and the likelihood of that happening is, you know, probably like zero percent. Um, and you know, losing, you know, I mean, it's the trifecta probably of of you know who can you get back of where Renew and Mackenzie and Baco um, to sort of then build around with them and and Liam McNeely. But um, you know, how do you get out of the fact that you don't just have the same uh, storyline or same narrative next year when Mike Woodson gets up? And says, "Oh, we're we're a young team. We haven't played much together, right?" And like, how do you avoid that cycle? Um, is it enough getting two of those guys back and pairing them with some of the bench pieces? Um, you know, at uh, Big Ten Media Days, I asked kind of like a handful of coaches, like, 
what's the number they prepare for in terms of what the roster churn would be. And they said about a third every year, you know, essentially between attrition, portal, draft, you know, especially if you're good, um, you know, if you, if you have talent, that's what you're looking at every year. And so and that's then, basically just one more. If we assume that Kalel Ware is going to the NBA draft, which, you know, I think right. is a fair assumption he's, he's proven himself. That's a, you know, that that's a natural next step for him. You know, a third of Indiana's current roster would be one more player than the three we've talked about, Ware, Johnson, and Walker. And it feels like there's going to be more than that. But And then I just think you're into the same kind of discussions about this team. You know, one way to sort of mitigate that would be to, you know, recruit more veterans out of the transfer portal. Um, and, you know, we'll see what their focus is. But I, I think you're right. This roster would look good next year if it was coming back, but it's probably not – It's you know, it's going to be different, I would obviously assume. It is going to be. I mean, you know, I don't want to, like, speculate, like, too crazy. Obviously, there's there's some necessary sort of stuff that needs to happen, presumably in the portal. Indiana's obviously got to get better shooting the ball. They actually weren't a terrible shooting team, three-point shooting team. Free throw's been a problem all year. For a while, um, they just weren't doing it with any volume. But I mean, they've they've faded pretty badly here. They're two hundred seventy seventh nationally in three point percentage. Um, they're shooting a lower percentage, or actually, I guess one tenth of a percentage point higher in Big Ten play than overall. But it's still thirty one point eight percent to thirty one point nine percent. So, like, we're not talking about a, a massive deviation. Um, but it's it's one of those things where it is you know, as you said, you don't. You don't want to kind of leave yourself with too much to do, and you don't want to leave yourself in a situation where, you know, you're you're young in years, but also like I, I've mentioned this statistic a lot this season. Um, Ken Palm has kind of two sort of I guess experience metrics, if you want to call them that. One is Division One experience, and Indiana's two hundred twenty eighth in that. The other is minutes continuity, and Indiana Indiana's two hundred sixty second in that. And so there have been plenty of times I think it's fair to say this season. When Indiana hasn't just looked young in terms of like raw experience, it's also looked young basically in just the amount of time it has played together. And well, that could go, that number could crater, you know, you know, if Anthony Leal and Trey Galley were to not take a COVID year, right? You know, you know like those, those you know, Trey specifically, like you're looking at like <laughs> that number is going to be there or lower next year, you know? Yeah. It's just so the, the point is, there's, there's kind of this like, it's not just youth in terms of age, it's it's youth in terms of time together. And you don't want to have to rebuild all that as well. And that's where I kind of come back to like, listen, I'm not saying if Indiana wins like, I don't know, you know, four games out of the next five and, and maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe falls that Saturday of the Big Ten tournament that everyone will feel better and everything will be fine and everyone will come back and it'll all be good again. But I guess I, I am just sort of like it. It does feel but how like, far off would that if so if they won if they won what did you say just their two out of their last three and two in the Big Ten tournament if they won four more games just say if they won four more games uh and so they finished what 19 and 13 and about what nine and ten in the Big Ten would that have been far off from what you predicted you know felt in the preseason that they were gonna do? Probably not a ton. I mean I, what I would say is like it's and this is this is one of those things that opens up like a wider discussion of, of like net rankings. So like, let's imagine just for a moment, Indiana wins. I don't know these, these last three games, if they did that, 
if they if they won their last three at Maryland, at Minnesota, and then home to Michigan State, and I'm looking at the net rankings like as we speak, there's a decent chance that all three of those games could be quad one wins. And then suddenly Indiana's got nine quad one and two wins. But Indiana's outside the top 100 in the net. And I think a lot of that is, I mean, they don't have any like horrible losses. Their worst loss this season is, is Penn State at home. That's not great, but it's a, it's not like a, oh my God, how did you allow this to happen loss? Like, for example, when Northwestern loses to Chicago State back in December or whenever that is. Um, but the efficiency numbers are what, you know, and there's been a lot of talk of this. I thought Scott Van Pelt did a really good thing about kind of the Big 12 a day or two ago and how, it feels like the Big 12 basically just made this concerted effort to just inflate everybody's efficiency numbers with easy non-conference schedules. And then once they got into the conference, they could just beat each other up. But everything's a quad one win. Um, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, I think it's if Indiana won these last three, they'd be 18 and 13 again. They'd have a decent number of quad one wins and quad two wins, and they still wouldn't be anywhere near the tournament. And it would be because of the net rankings, because of the metrics because of just kind of overall efficiency problems. And I think that, you know, would Indiana be that far away at 18 regular season wins, 10 in the Big Ten from what we expected in the preseason? Probably not. But I think that we would – there would still be a perception because Indiana would be nowhere near the tournament conversation that the season didn't really amount to much. And the season kind of underwhelmed expectations in a pretty pronounced way. And, you know, again, that's sort of one of those where it's like, well, hey, listen, like there's an extent to which. I just say, and I think, and I think that's the, I think that's the fan perception, perception, but, you know, pronounced to, uh, it's, this team was so young and like had so many question marks. Like it, it doesn't feel, I mean, like the way the season unfolded, I mean, they didn't really have like sort of a, What's their best win? Would you say? I mean, it's hard to even say at that. I it's mean, probably Wisconsin. I would say. I mean, if if it, you look at like the ping pong numbers, their best win is either Ohio State on the road or Wisconsin. Ohio State on the road or Wisconsin. And so, I mean, I just think fans may are underwhelmed with like they didn't get an upset in the non-conference schedule. Like one of the, the one of the big kind of games they had. You know, if they had won that Kansas game and then fallen short of the tournament and kind of just been in a similar spot. I don't know. It just feels like this team is not met expectations, but not sort of not fallen way short of where. Well, I've, I mean, I think something I've said a lot is, you know, I don't know. Let, let's imagine a world where Indiana, you know, they have, let's imagine a world where Indiana only plays one game in the Big Ten tournament and they go two and two over their last four games. So they would finish 17 and 15. They'd finish nine and 11 in the Big Ten. You know, I don't. They're, I don't. I don't think they're going to the NIT, even if, like, they're invited. To be honest, but that's kind of a separate conversation. That's a little bit academic until you get closer to it. Um, I've said this multiple times this season. We all sort of said in the summer and the off season and so forth, like, hey, this team's got a lot of talent. It's got a lot of potential. It's also got a lot of youth. This sort of season was was never like an outlier in the statistical variance model of what this season would look like. You know of, of what Indiana yeah, yeah. might be this season and the five from uh, the five thirty eight polling average this season. This no, season. I mean like it's it's like I mean no, I didn't it's say it's like that's where it would be in the chart. Yeah, yeah, no, it would be in the middle fifty percent of of you know outcomes. likely outcomes or whatever you yeah. want to say. Um, and you know, 
you can't absolve Indiana, for example, of losing by 28 to Auburn, by 20 to Connecticut. On the other hand, you know, part of what brings Indiana down is part of what kind of brings the Big Ten and Big Ten down in general, which is just the conference isn't as good this year. You know, if I told you on December 1st, Indiana was going to sweep Ohio State, you would have said, wow, that's impressive because Ohio State was, you know, top 20 Ken Palm, top 20 net. They had some great wins, yada, yada, yada. But then if I'd also told you Indiana is going to get swept by Penn State, um, you know, that Indiana is going to lose its only game with Rutgers. And I think, you know, part of what depresses this team's, you know, sort of metric numbers is probably also part of what colors fans' perceptions, negative perceptions. And I understand this, which is their losses have been up. And, and that's like that's that that is that is both a why you know Indiana can have right now I think six quad one and two wins, and still be outside the top one hundred both in Ken Palm and the net, and also b why maybe fans look at this season and say okay we we were prepared for the idea that this was going to be a season of some growing pains. It's disappointing not to be in the NCAA tournament conversation, but it's been the method behind it that like that is. Lose by 20 to Connecticut, by 28 to Auburn. Yes, the Kansas game was close, but by 16 at Nebraska, by nine at Rutgers, by 11. Well, or by and let me, let me ask you this. So Purdue. Throw, Purdue, throw Purdue out of it because I think they're separate and then Zach Eady and everything. But is Indiana closer to, say, like the Illinois of the world in the conference right now or the Michigans of the world? I mean, I, again, I, I would say it's, it's probably fair to I, – I would shade – to, I don't know. Michigan's a bit of an extreme example because, like, or Ohio, I mean, Ohio is. I, I, yeah, I would say they're seven and ten. Ohio State's seven and eleven. Like to, mm-hmm. to me, they're in basically the mix of just teams in the conference that aren't a disaster. And I think people sort of there, there is a perception, or or at least I think there there's almost a feeling in some quarters of of the fan base like this season is a disaster. I don't think it's a disaster. I don't think it's been. It, a it was season. never. Yeah, it's not. A disaster. Michigan's any, a disaster. Michigan. Yeah, I mean, like Michigan is like a a the bottom is out of the tub kind of season. They have won two games since December sixteenth. Like, I mean, like they like they are, and I mean, like they lost. You look at again some of their losses. Like they lost by thirty at Rutgers. You know, they they lost by ten at home to Michigan State. They lost by twenty nine to Illinois. They lost by 20 at Nebraska. Like it, it, but I think an Indiana fan might justifiably say, well, you know, by 20 against Connecticut, by 28 against Auburn, by 16 against Nebraska, by a combined 41 points against Purdue, by a combined what 23 points against you know, against Penn State home and away, 31 points combined against Nebraska. If you want to combine home and away, it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you know, if you want to know why, for example, Indiana winning maybe its next four games so that they would win at Maryland, at Minnesota, Michigan State, and then on the Thursday in the Big Ten tournament still probably wouldn't put them anywhere near the conversation for the, the tournament. It's because of their their computer rankings, and their computer rankings are the way they are because there aren't more than one or two games in this whole stretch. You can say, well, just one or two possessions here. It was close. They kept it close. They battled. Like when they have lost, they have lost bad. And that has destroyed their efficiency numbers justifiably. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but you know, again, combined 41 points in, in getting swept by Purdue, 31 points in getting swept by Nebraska, 24, 23 points in getting swept by Penn state. You, you lose these games in this manner. 
and it it drags your profile down pretty substantially. And so I think that's where maybe kind of perception hits a little bit in terms of, yes, this raw outcome this season was always possible. And the idea of, you know, maybe finishing under 500 in the Big Ten, maybe not making the NCAA tournament was always possible. But it's been the manner of it. It's been the fact that, like, when they've lost, far too many of the losses have just been completely non-competitive. And even some of the ones that maybe look a little bit competitive on paper, like a Wisconsin or a Northwestern, you know, they were down 20-something points in the second half at Wisconsin. They only lose by 12, but that game was comfortably lost. They were down by 16 at home against uh, Northwestern with six minutes and 17 seconds left. They just managed to kind of rally furiously and lose by four. But that's not a game that we look back and say it was back and forth for the last 10 minutes and Indiana just missed a key shot somewhere like Northwestern. Well, I mean, the, the point, I mean, I guess the if they did win and read off some wins, they could, you know, Mike Woodson could say we took our lumps and we learned something from it, you know, because that's what he's been saying all season. Like if he doesn't coach them up here in the last couple of weeks and they just flame out, um, you know, I do think there's something to this team never sort of, he never figured, he never pushed the right buttons to get them in the right direction consistently. And that will be a knock on him because he's talked, you know, he's talked extensively about having to keep coaching him up and he's going to, you know, we're going to get through it. And and they never got through it. Um, you know, I, I think he used the word and I thought it was very appropriate that they got to validate what they did against Wisconsin, you know, and make it not just that they caught a team that was, you know, playing very poorly and, and beat them. Um, and so I, I think they do have to validate it because this team has to show that they've, they've learned some of these lessons. Cause that's what this whole season has been about, whether or not all these players come back and that's helpful for next year. We don't know yet, but I, I do think that's part of it, you know, to go back to your initial question that if they, you know, if this last three, they, you know, end the game end the season on a three game losing streak and whether they win one of the big 10 tournament or not, then you can't say, well, we fought through it and we came out the other side, even though it was a little later than we wanted to. And I guess my like my question is essentially just and, and again, like there's no answer to it. Like there's, you know, the only way to answer it is is just to basically with the benefit of hindsight to see what happens. But like, let's even imagine a world again where maybe Indiana wins, I don't know, two of these last three and then picks up another one or maybe even two in the Big Ten tournament and gets to at least kind of enter the offseason, as you said, feeling like maybe it validated a little bit of what it thought it could be. It took its lumps, but there was obvious improvement at the end. There were building blocks, et cetera. Like, does it does that hold this together? And like I, I used to I used to be so loath to talk about like transfers, you know, like if you remember the time, the 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 antiquated and simpler time, like eight years ago, when people would always be like, Is there a transfer epidemic? Like, is there is there an epidemic of transfers? Like we didn't, we had no idea what was coming. Yeah. Um and people would always say, who do you think might transfer from this team? And I was always just like, I don't want to speculate. Like, if I if I don't have any reason to think that any, you know, so-and-so is leaving, I'm not going to just toss Well, now you just say there's a chance that anybody could leave. Right. Now it's it's almost just like, I mean, there's, I could I mean, see anyone doing it because that's just how this works. If you're Mike Woodson, I, I guess I would just sort of like argue that you, you at least need maybe everybody to feel like. They have a know, reason to come back. This season ended on a path to something greater basically and how do you get how do you get that can you get that like would you know genuinely winning 
five of your last six games, which to be fair is, is something we have not seen Indiana do against this level of competition at all this season. So we're talking about an outlier based on everything we've seen this season, but, but even if we're assuming kind of like a, you know, a, a borderline best case scenario to end the rest, to, to end this season, like, would that be enough to make everybody feel like, Hey, we're not on a hiding to nothing here. Like we have, there is a path to something better. We figured it out a little bit late this year, but we're going to keep the core of all this together. We're going to get better in the off season. And when we come back next year, we're going to make amends for all this basically. Like I just, I mean, it's, it's a, like, it's, it's a, it's a rhetorical question. There's no answer to it. Not one that we can provide anyway, but like, it's, it's fascinating to me in the portal era, like, Basically, does it matter how you try to get back up again when you've fallen down this this badly if you're Indiana? Or is well, it, it, it gives, like, I guess once, it, 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 once it's it baked, gives, it's baked and you, you can't do anything about it? It gives fans one less thing. Like if they were to, you know, you know, fall down here, you know, fans can't point to well, they everybody transferred because they ended up, you know, they 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 went out on a losing streak or whatever. It'll give them some shielding. You know, Mike Woodson can say, Well, we 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 were on an upswing, you know, they're you know, it's just what it, it is. What college basketball is, it would be one less thing to blame, you know, for fans to blame him for. I guess, <laughs> and at that, to that point, that's not the worst thing in the world at this point. And it's difficult too because, like again, I, I don't sense much appetite for the NIT around Indiana, and I think that that you know, unfortunately, there's been a lot of discussion about basically like how can that event find any juice. I, I think it's it's increasingly difficult in the portal era when it's just sort of like you know it used to be. You know, if you went to the NIT, anybody who was going to go to the draft would just kind of sit out because it, there's there's nothing to prove there or whatever. I think you kind of get in that place now with kids who might enter the portal where it's like, well, why would I go play in these games that ultimately have very little meaning to my future? Um, and if you got to, if you accepted it and then Khalil were to sit out and then you just get embarrassed, you know, it's like, do why would you? Even right, that's, that's the other part yeah, of it. Like, I mean, like, you you know, there's a, there's like a, a, a legendary in a bad way um 2005 i think it was indiana went to yeah it was 2005 they finished 10 and 6 in the big 10 but they were only 15 and 12 overall that team lost to northwestern it lost it lost to charlotte at home on i think a buzzer beater um this was the year before i got to college but they went and they played they went to the nit and they played vanderbilt and um basically it was spring break. Nobody showed up <laughs> and they lost. Yeah. And it was just sort of like this. It was just this really ignominious end, essentially, to a, a season that, you know, probably should have. Like gone. why risk? What's the what's the reward? You win one game in the NIT. You know, it's like. Right. Well, and, and it, you know, I mean, like the. The, the sort of like best case reward. I'm 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 now fascinated. I'm just looking on Ken Palm, and that uh, that Vanderbilt team <laughs> had a freshman Damari Carroll on it, who eventually transferred to Missouri before being drafted. Um, but like the the best case scenario is you win it, which you know it, it's kind of one of those things where like I can find you teams that won the NIT, and then that was a springboard to the next season. I can find you teams that won the NIT and it didn't mean anything beyond just that, that season. And even Indiana's most recent experience, the NIT, they went to the NIT in 2019. Romeo Langford sat out because he had a, a, I think either like a wrist injury or a hand injury. I, I can't remember quite. They won their first two games. 
And then Wichita State beat them at home, and everybody just thought, okay, well, you know, not going to really make. If they had their full, if if you could tell me that they had their full roster and everybody was, you know, locked in, they, you know, you can maybe make a case. But like, like you said, if like if even, I mean, like it, it. If I'm not mistaken, well, no, that's a bad. Let me set that to one side. Um, like, are scouts even going to come? How many? I mean, how many NBA scouts are you going to get in the stands for an NIT game? So even if you have your full roster, like, is it really making a difference? And, well, I'm saying more just that that you could actually make a run to win it. I'm just saying if there if anybody sits out, they would not. You know, the depth on this team, like, you run the risk of getting kind of embarrassed. So that's why my point was more like, can you even guarantee you have a full roster? Then I could make a case for maybe wanting to play in the NIT to sort of make a run and, and get some momentum. But if you're not going to have everybody. The, the downside certainly outweighs, I think, the the any sort of hope that you have of winning it. Yeah. I just think it's 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 one of those things I, I don't mean for it to sound doom and gloom, and I feel like I have a little bit. It's just sort of like I'm I'm fascinated by sort of like the, the shifting dynamic and like the portal era in particular of like what there is left in a season that you know, is otherwise just sort of like really disappointing. Well, it's the same discussion. It's the it's the bowl game discussion. When if, if thirty yeah. players sit out, um, is it worth? I mean, money and everything, and they expect. But I mean, it's like, what are they getting out of these games? Um, you know, for the future of their program, other than than some money, you know, cash. Well, and this, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to open this can of worms too too widely today. But this is again a bit of an argument for like the whole idea of contracts and employment and things like that, where you can just say, well, you know, like you, you're you know, contractually obligated to put, yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. you, you have collectively bargained these rights. You've signed this contract, you know, there's, there's no, and then of course that probably leads to an inevitable conversation about expanding the NCAA tournament or confining right. it to certain teams or whatever. And again, that's a, that's a Pandora's box. We don't need to open today, but it's going to be fascinating and, and it's going to be, um, you know, at, at minimum, I, I do kind of look at these these next two games, and it's like these are two teams that Indiana beat pretty comfortably at home. Um, if you do, if there is kind of still a spark in this team, it feels like you know they find a way to win at least one of these, and then maybe come home and, and equip themselves well on Senior Day against Michigan State. We'll leave it there. Um, uh, Indiana at Maryland on Sunday afternoon. Of course, the Terrapins women's team making the trip. The, sort of the reverse trip, if you want to say, to Bloomington for the women's team, IU women's team senior day on Sunday as well. We'll be back on Monday to talk about the women and just kind of their overall postseason outlook. But for uh, the Indianapolis Star and the Herald Times and Mike Nislick, I'm Zach Osterman. Until then, thank you so much for listening. This has been Mind Your Banners. We'll talk to you soon. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.